You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Four River Smokehouse, for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store, online, or by phone using promo code GATORSBREAKDOWN. Bet this football season with my bookie. Use promo code GATORS and get a 50% match with your first deposit. Only at my bookie. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Florida, Georgia, game preview time, and it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, of course, but not necessarily this year. All the hoopla that goes with this game, we won't get to see it this year. No party and no RV City, all that stuff. Going to feel so much different here in the city of Jacksonville and just the, the day of the game, of course, uh, not seeing all that orange and blue and red and black mixed together uh, like we're used to seeing for this game. To break it all down, Chris Doring from the SEC Network, former Gator wide receiver, uh, would join and, and give his thoughts uh, on this big-time top-10 matchup uh, between the Gators and the Dogs. And then uh, Robbie stelton from a Rich Tradition College Football Podcast is going to hop on to he uh, joined us before the preseason when we gave a kind of a, a big Florida Georgia preview episode in the uh, preseason. Uh, Robbie was on that. He's going to hop on to give us a, a Georgia side of things uh, for this episode as well. So big time, big time Florida Georgia preview coming up for the big time matchup. Before we get there, remember, of course, you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there as well as a whole ton of Florida Georgia coverage this week, of course, with the game here in Jacksonville. Please share, rate, and review the show on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. If you just want the audio version, check us out on your favorite podcast platform and follow Gators Breakdown on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Former Gators wide receiver, great Chris Doring, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. You can find him every weekend in the SEC Network as a studio analyst. Chris, man, I hope uh, 2020 is treating you well. You know what? I can't complain, man. It's been weird for all of us, but I'll say this. Uh, I think we've been able to make the best of it. I'm happy that we're watching some football and, and getting to uh, have a little bit of normalcy on the weekends with, with what the SEC's provided us. So what's not going to be normal is a... World's largest outdoor cocktail party. Yeah. <laughs> we know the football games have, you know, the, the atmosphere has been so different anyway. But, yeah. you know, now with, with, with 2020, maybe what, what are the aspects that will look the most different to me is the cocktail party? No yeah. RV City, no fairgrounds. Uh, the fairgrounds will look abandoned uh, compared to a normal Florida Georgia game. No, hardly any tailgating. The main parking lot's not even opening until three hours before kickoff. So, you know, no, the, the party atmosphere is just going to be done. But you know, everything that surrounds this game and, and makes it special is pretty much gone besides just playing the game in Jacksonville. 
Yeah, let me tell you what. First of all, uh, I'm I'm grateful for the fact that we're having a chance to watch college football and getting a chance to to watch uh, Florida and Georgia renew this great rivalry. Um, I feel a little ungrateful by uh, complaining, and 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 like you, I'm I'm disappointed that it's not going to have the same look and feel to it. I think this is one of the the special games in in all of sports. I mean, the rivalry is great. Uh, the setting there in Jacksonville is unbelievable. Uh, I love the visuals that we usually have with the half red and black and half orange and blue. Um, I love the, the the pageantry. I mean, the, the fact that people show up and and there's probably a, a hundred thousand people outside the stadium while the the inside has about ninety thousand in it. I mean, it's just it's everything that you could ask for in terms of excitement. And we're obviously not going to get it this year, but uh, I think the fact that we're getting to watch this game, getting the chance to watch the two best teams in the SEC East fight it out and and put themselves in position to make it to uh, to Atlanta to play Alabama is, is something we should celebrate. Absolutely, absolutely. And so glad we, we do get this game. And look, third year in a row, Chris, it's a top 10 matchup. Florida, Georgia, ever since Dan Mullen's been the head coach, he, he's brought this Gator program up, and now it's a top 10 matchup three years in a row. Stakes yeah. are high. Sets up the winner for, for a big late season run. But, Chris, it's, it's, it's big for these two coaches. It's big for these two coaches, and and I think the pressure is equal for these two coaches because if you look at it, I think all offseason, what we talked about with Florida was, all right, we're, we're primed with a coach uh, and a coaching staff that's been together for the last couple of years. We got returning starters all over the board. We got a starting quarterback that has experience. And the feeling to me was, a hey, if not now, win. And so I think that raises the pressure a little bit on the Florida side. Conversely, Georgia's in the midst of celebrating their 40th anniversary of their 1980 national championship team. Um, one, that's great to celebrate, but two, it also reminds you that it's been 40 years <laughs> since Georgia last won a national championship. So I think there's pressure inherently there. They're trying to get back and do something. I was trying to think about the comparisons. When I was at Florida, we played you know, 92, 93, 94, 95 so during my years, all in the SEC championship game. And I know, again, the Florida team, uh, in 96, played for the uh, SEC championship as well. So five straight SEC title game appearances for the Gators. This could be number four for, for Georgia. If they're able to knock off Florida and they're able to get back again, um, it, it would be four. So I don't know how many teams have done it four years in a row. I have to imagine there hasn't been very many. I would probably say Florida and Alabama are the only ones. Uh, but Georgia could, could uh, join some elite company there. Um, but it, it just, to me, it's nice to see Georgia and Florida being the game that decides the SEC East. And, and as much as I loved Florida and Tennessee kind of doing that back in the 90s when I was there, uh, this, this seems the way that it, it should be. And so I think there's some inherent pressure that goes along uh, for both of the, both these teams, both of these coaching staffs, and, and uh, the fans are, are obviously amped up, looking forward to seeing how this plays out on Saturday. Chris, what have you seen, and if you can speak on the evolution of Dan Mullen in this Florida offense, I mean, how much of it is just – him passing more inside of his own scheme or and how much did he actually change the schematics of his offense to suit what Kyle Trask does well I think that's one thing that, that coach Mullen does really really well is that he tailors the offense to fit the skill set of his particular team and the characteristics of those guys on the roster one let's not let's not downgrade the 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 fact that having a quarterback in college football today specifically the SEC having a guy that you can trust having a guy that's a, a game changer is is of utmost importance. I mean, Florida has really struggled since Tim Tebow left in 2009 trying to find a guy that could could be the leader on the team, that could be a, a big-time performer at the quarterback spot, the most important position on the field. 
and they finally found it. I, and I, they finally found it by dumb luck, I think, in a way. I mean, <laughs> I wonder what the situation would be like had Felipe Franks not got hurt last year. And I give a lot of credit to Kyle Trask for his foresight and, and belief and faith that something was going to give him an opportunity and being ready when that opportunity came to take advantage of it. Like the, the, the fact that, that if Florida has a trigger man like they do now, surrounded by all of this talent, it, it, it really has all kind of come to fruition. And, and one, you gotta, you gotta thank, you know, the previous coaching staff for bringing some of these guys in. I think Dan Mullen's done a tremendous job developing the guys that, that were on the roster and getting them to believe, but this is the ultimate hurdle, David. I mean, it, you know, all of the 10 win seasons, the last two years, that's all great. But it, it, the gold standard here, the expectation in Gainesville is getting to Atlanta, playing for an SEC championship game. And if you can't find a way to beat Georgia, then you're never going to find a way to, to play for an SEC championship. If you remember back in 1990, Coach Spurrier came in and said, look, all of our goals, if we want to achieve anything that, that's, that's possible out there, we have to find a way to beat Georgia. He put an emphasis on that game. We went on a, 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 I think in the nine in the nineties, what we went nine and one maybe throughout that ten year period. Um, so this is this is the game that that Dan Mullen's got to get over. And I think in terms of game planning, I, I was elusive with my answer, but I think he's done a very nice job in terms of being creative and 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 building to his skill set. The way that he's used Kadarius Tony the last couple of weeks has been uh, tremendous. Uh, you see him not only as a guy that's a uh, a, a go-to X-factor kind of player, but a guy that can catch balls within the flow of the offense, which is something that they wanted him to kind of develop as a true wide receiver. Kyle Pitts has gotten better on the uh, on the attached offensive line kind of with his hand on the ground. Go back and look at those runs last week by Kyle Trask. Kyle Pitts was moving guys uh, mm -hmm. on, on the offensive line, and that's not something we'd seen before. So now he's becoming not only a, a great receiver, but a guy that can be a blocker as well, which makes him even more dangerous at the college level and more valuable at the professional level. Um, so I, I think there's so much talent that's being kind of utilized in the right way. And I think that's one thing that Dan Mullen does really well is identify what people do, do well, putting them in position to be successful, much like my coach did and Coach Spurrier back when I was there in the 90s. Man, you, you read my mind of where I was going next, so I can go either way here. So I'm glad you brought that up. In what ways we've seen this evolution, and it's definitely more of a passing offense now. And every time we see it, it's always numbers compared to a Steve Spurrier quarterback when we're talking about Kyle Trask. In what ways is this offense similar to what you played in? In what ways is it is it different than the fun and gun? You know, we hear Mullen joke all the time about, "Hey, look, Steve Spurrier's office is right down the hallway. I can go talk to him. Yeah. We can we can draw up some ball plays." When you've watched this offense the last couple of years with Kyle Trask, are there some similarities to, to, to what you played in? Maybe a little bit, maybe formationally. I mean, our offense was predicated more to stretching the field vertically, throwing mm -hmm. the ball down the field. Um, a lot of teams offensively now in college football want to spread the, the field horizontally and try to find ways to get guys the ball in space, which is something I think everybody does, but there's more of a, a premium on doing that now. Um, you know, I think that, that um, both offenses are are requiring a lot of their quarterbacks to to you know understand what the opposing defenses are doing, throw with great accuracy. Those are inherent things, I think, to any sort of of offense. But um, I, there, I think one thing that, if I had to be honest about things that I see offensively, I would probably compare more what Sarkeesian's doing at Alabama to what we did at Florida as a, as opposed to what Florida's doing now and what we did in the 90s. 
Well, there you go. That's exactly what. So we're on the same wavelength there, Chris, because that's exactly how I was going when we were doing this. And you mentioned Pitts and Tony. And look, Florida does have more weapons to use when the number of plays are there. We, we've seen that. If Florida's running 70 plays, they can get more guys involved. I mean, of course, that, that just comes with the territory there. But you know, this Florida offense is explosive, but it is in a different fashion than what Alabama brings to the table yeah. when the way they were able to stretch Georgia's defense vertically. You know, It's more about getting their wide receivers behind those Georgia defensive yeah. backs. So are, are Pitts and Tony enough in the arsenal to have some similar success versus Georgia? Well, one, I think what you see a lot of times in Florida's passing game over the last uh, – you know, what are we in four or five games now? I, I think what they've done is there's a lot of one-on-one plays where our athlete is just better than your athlete. What I think you see from Alabama is, all right, we're going to scheme ways to create mismatches for ourselves. And we're also going to do the scheme complementary routes to put people in binds and, 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 you know, force you to, to make a choice on what you're going to defend. I think that from a route spacing and, and a route combination standpoint, Nobody's doing it like what Steve Sarkeesian is right now. So I, I think that is is the offense that I'm kind of most gravitating to. But And that's not any, taking anything away from what, what Florida does. I think Florida, one of the things that that Kyle Trask does really, really well is, is throwing with accuracy when guys are in one-on-one situations, whether it's Pitts or Grimes. Those guys are able to use their big bodies to, to wall guys off and and – you know, one of the throws I go back to against Ole Miss, you know, it's a one-on-one situation down the left sideline. I think it was, I want to say it was it was Kyle Pitts, where he throws it low and away from the, the oh, defender. Yeah. There's a safety that's playing middle of the field that's coming over, but you throw it away to the outside and he, he's able to go down and make a play uh, and use his body to shield off the defender. Th- those are the things that I think we're seeing right now. Florida's just so talented. You know, you want to take Pitts away? That's great. All right, leave one-on-one with Tony. Leave one-on-one with Grimes. Leave one-on-one with Copeland. It, it's it's a pick your poison situation. So I'm I probably would imagine that Dan Lanning wants to try to limit what what uh, Kyle Pitts can do. But even shoot, even it gets Ole Miss, you got a, a linebacker underneath the safety over the top, and you know Child Trask still <laughs> maybe ill advisedly throws the ball in there, and and uh, Kyle Pitts is able to make a play. One more thing about with the offense and Kadarius Tony and the growth we've seen from him from. Look, it's not just a catch a screen pass and break a bunch of tackles and and make something happen. He's not just a wildcat quarterback. He's not just a take a handoff and make something happen. Now he is a he's a true wide receiver. He's running routes. He's catching passes 30 yards down the field. I mean, what does it take to go from what we saw first couple years of Kadarius Tony to now being a really complete player, complete wide receiver? Well, I would be less than uh, transparent if I didn't say that, hey, a couple years ago, I was doing a spring preview for the SEC Network. I was here with, with Florida and, and with Dan Mullen, and they all talked about, hey, we want to try to get Kadarius Tony to be a guy that can make plays within the flow of the offense, a guy that is a true receiver, not just where we have to put him at Wildcat, you know, not just where we have to give him the ball in a jet sweep. You can do all those things. You yeah. can give him the tunnel screen. You can motion him to the backfield like they did on Saturday against Missouri and give him a handoff. But we want him to catch plays within the flow of the offense, and now you're starting to see that. You know, I, th- I thought the touchdown that he caught, his second touchdown right before halftime, mm-hmm. uh, motion across the formation into a three-by-one set, switch release, he runs the seam. You're basically putting the single high safety in a bind as the um, you know, it becomes almost like a four-vert kind of look. And, and he beats his guy and then catches the ball with his hands away from his body. It looks like a receiver as he's, he's able to uh, adjust to the football. Like Those are things that I think everybody's been waiting to see from him. 
And additionally, I think they've, they've looked for him to try to minimize some of the negative plays. He was so apt. He's so athletic, so agile, so apt to go backwards that he could, yeah, he could make somebody miss and go 30 yards, but he could also take a 15-yard <laughs> loss. So they're trying to minimize some of the negative, play to the upside. I think he's done all of those things, and I think he's become a legitimate, well-rounded wide receiver as well. Yeah, welcome sight, welcome sight there for the skater offense. Last couple of thoughts here, uh, Chris. What did you see from the defense uh, versus Missouri? Definitely by far, in a way, the best game they've played all year. Yeah, Might this be a sign that something clicked last week and, and this defense won't be a liability moving forward the rest of the season? You know, of course, specifically against Georgia this yeah. week because I've heard you I heard you talk a lot about it on, uh, on the SEC Network broadcast. And LSU, okay, they played South Carolina. Oh, it looked like they figured some things out. Yeah. And then a week later, they play Auburn, and it's back to the first few games that we saw LSU. Yeah. Hopefully, that's not the trend we'll see with Florida versus Georgia this week. Florida's problems have been much different than LSU's defensive problems. I think LSU's defensive problems stem from their back seven, particularly in their secondary. You know, they they have not done a very good job of understanding, you know, what coverages they're in, communicating. Uh, making sure that they're recognizing motions and adjusting accordingly. Uh, Florida, while it's manifested itself in the back half of the defense, I think it really has all started with their their defensive line. Florida has been tremendous over the last decade plus because they've had studs on that defensive line, guys that could, could penetrate, that could rush the passer, that could disrupt the run game. And in the first three games of the season, I didn't see that. I saw guys that were locked on blocks. They weren't getting any sort of push. There wasn't any penetration. They weren't able to rush the, the passer unless they were bringing pressure. And then you go back to AM. AM's offensive line in Kellamon, they did a great job of picking up pressure. When there was a free rusher, Kellamon got the ball out and, and, and they were able to, to make plays. Like if you're having to, to cover in the secondary for four, five, six seconds, you're going to get beat. It's impossible to do for a prolonged period of time. So I think that, that Florida, what I saw from them, uh, against Missouri was a better group effort on the defensive line, able to get some of that penetration I talked about, able to win and and disrupt some of the run plays. The the third down, getting off the field, Florida was terrible on third and fourth down. I think they were giving up a 66% uh, conversion percentage uh, heading into the game against Missouri, and they were much better on third and fourth down. They were able to to, to create uh, wins on first and second down that, that had Missouri, and I think they averaged third and eight um last week in that game those are tough to convert and so i thought the defensive line played better getting Kyrie campbell back was was big uh i think you know getting some of those guys in their more familiar positions where there are better fits is important but i thought i think they they played their assignments better i mean you go back and look at that texas a&m tape Brent cox is, is running around blocks trying mm-hmm. to do his own thing you have yep. got to play your own assignment in a defense and trust that the other 10 guys are going to do the same and i think they finally started to do that against missouri so, of course, the big matchup this week will be that Georgia run game, but also that offense led by quarterback Stetson Bennett. Uh, you know, how well does he have to play, Chris, to, for, for Georgia to, to walk out of Jacksonville with a win? And look, Chris, I mean, look, uh, I'm from Blackshear, from Pierce County, where Stetson Bennett grew up. I can't go back home if Georgia <laughs> walks out of that stadium with a victory. I cannot show my face in Blackshear for quite a while, uh, you know, wearing the orange and blue if a, if a guy from my hometown ends up uh, coming out of Jacksonville with a victory. Well, let me tell you what. First of all, I can't help but but cheer for Stetson Bennett just in general. His story as a, as a walk-on, a guy that grew up loving Georgia, that now got his opportunity to be the starting quarterback there. There's a lot of familiarity and similarity to my story. And so I, I, I cheer for the guy. I hope he does 
really well. I hate the fact that you know Georgia fans have been hating on him as much as they have the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I want Florida to to win this week. Obviously, I'm a I'm a proud alum of the University of Florida. Um, and I think it comes down. You asked me a question: How much does he have to to handle in this offense? I think it, it depends on a, a better question for you: Is how much how effective is Florida at able being able to stop the run? Right. How effective or or is that defensive line? able to to penetrate and 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 play their gaps and be sound in their assignment execution those are the things that are going to require um determine whether or not Stetson Bennett's the guy that has to beat you I mean if 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 Georgia has success running the football early and they're in third manageable situations they're able to play action on first and second down then it's going to be uh it's going to be much easier on Stetson Bennett if Florida has success on first and second down and leaves um, him in a lot of situations like Connor Bazelak was in on, on Saturday, then it's going to be much more challenging. So I, I think the whole game comes down to the ability for Florida to, to, to play stout on the line of scrimmage and to, to win uh, against the run. If not, then and it could be a, a long day for Florida's defense. It's kind of like the story of last year's game. Florida got what they wanted on first and second down. A good yeah, bit couldn't get off the Georgia. field. You're right. And then, and then yeah. Fromm just tore them apart. So if, if it plays out the same way, can can Bennett make those same throws from made in third in, in third down situations? You know what last though, year? last year on third down, as you and as as we're talking through it, it comes back to to my mind right now. Florida was terrible with their assignments on third down, not knowing what coverages they were in, uh, not using proper leverage. I mean, the, the 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 mistakes that they made were very simple things that they had not shown any sort of previous. Uh, uh, you know, habit of doing. And, and so I think that's the thing that I look for for this Florida team. I want to see composure. I want to see, I, I know it's a big game. We all know it's a big game. Mm-hmm. Let's not overhype it too much. Let's keep it simple. Let's go in and treat it like any other game. And let's play with with a, a lot of, of, of confidence. But at the same time, let's be relaxed and, and understand that we're good enough now to, to win this game. Let's execute on offense. Let's play the way we did on Saturday against Missouri on defense. That's going to be enough to get Florida the win. All right, that's Chris Doring, former Gator, Gator great wide receiver, SEC Network analyst, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Chris, man, I can't thank you enough for uh, breaking down this big top 10 matchup for the Gators and Dogs. Yeah, David, thanks for having me on. It's always fun, and uh, go Gators. Football season is also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four Rivers Smokehouse, named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine. Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Man, I love me some brisket. Got to have those ribs, too. Those home-style size fresh-baked desserts. Get it all at any of the Four River Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate ready, so you can spend more time watching the game, not the grill. Enjoy the party of six package for $55 or the party of 12 package for $99. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, home-style sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. For a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store, online, or by phone using promo code GATORSBREAKDOWN. So Gators, whether you're in Gainesville or just in town for the game, swing by Four Rivers Gainesville located in Butler Plaza. Or if you're tailgating at home in the Jacksonville area for the Florida-Georgia game this weekend, or Orlando, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four River Smokehouse. So ever since I started Gators Breakdown, people have been asking me, who's going to win? And a lot of the time, what team they should bet on? Well, the best piece of advice is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. 
That's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prizes for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, they got it. College football, they have that too. Plus, a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting. Make sure you're covered every step of the way. Sign up at MyBookie today, and when you do, use our promo code GATERS to claim a halfway match on your deposit. If you put in $200, they will spot you another 100 to play with. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code GATERS so you can claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Sign up today to begin your winning season only at my bookie. Robbie Stelton Paul from a Rich Tradition College Football Podcast. A diehard Georgia fan, much like I am a diehard Gator fan. So we're joining it right here, joining forces right here on Gators Breakdown to give a look at this big time Florida Georgia top 10 matchup here. Uh, Robbie does it with the Rich Tradition College Football Podcast with our good friend Spencer Van Horn. Too bad he can't be on with us tonight. But, uh, Robbie, man, thanks for hopping on here. I'll do. No problem. I should have been smart and put my little – put my hash my, – my my Twitter handle in, in the little screen so people could see it. Um, but, no, man, I there are only two Florida fans on this earth that I would talk about this game with, and you were one of them. The other one was the, – the other one was my best man in my wedding. So, um, I still hate your background. But uh, I I love you as the individual. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited to talk about this game. All right. I'm at least going to put your last name up there on the graphic anyway. So there we go. (laughs) It will will clear up a a little bit here. So, yeah, Robert, let's get into it, man. Look, similar situation for these teams the last two years since Dan Mullen's been head coach. This is a top 10 matchup for the third season in a row. And, I mean, look, it's – that's what Florida fans wanted when Dan Mullen was hired. It was like, okay, we, we've at least we, we've seen already the, the the transfer from Florida to Georgia and who's going to win the SEC East. We've got to get back there. And now Dan Mullen's made this game for the third season in a row, a top 10 matchup versus a, a Georgia team that, of course, is consistently up there in that top five, top 10. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if you were to ask both both like fan bases, the rational fan bases, and you were to ask them – you know, are you happy where your where your team is right now? I, I think pretty much everyone's pretty happy. Like you brought in Kirby to be competitive, not again, not just in the SEC East, but a national scale. And Florida brought Mullen in to go back to being a dominant team nationally. And I would say that both teams currently are on that trajectory. Absolutely. I mean, and it, it's made it made it's made this game fun. It's it has made yeah. this game. You know, one of the every before, when preseason magazines are coming out before the season starts, this one's circled as a top 10 game. You know, if this year was basically a top five game, uh, be, being circled as far as you know, games to look out for as college football playoff contenders here, uh, there. So, I'll get into it, uh, for the Georgia side on you, uh, for, for you, of course. How, how big is this one for Kirby? You know, I, I've always given him credit for how he approaches this game, he comes at it like Steve Spurrier did. He played in it as a player. He yeah. lost lost a good you know a good bit of those games as a, as a player. So in turn, it just makes that hate boil over him and bleed over into throwing everything at this game. And look, he, he gets how much this game means to the fan base and, and, and to the players out there playing it because he lived it. He just like Steve Spurrier did. He lived it. So he knows you. you it's hard to go to Atlanta and compete for championships if you don't win this game. And it's the same thing this year. So 
look, and, and, I, and I've made it here for the, 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 the kind of the, the credit here is, you know, since 2017, Kirby has made it to Atlanta in the SEC championship game with a chance on the line to play for it all. If he loses yeah. to Florida this year, this would be the since 2017, and he's made Georgia perennial powerhouse. This would be the first time that that hadn't happened. If he if he comes out a loser in Jacksonville this time, yeah, um, it's it's kind of crazy to think that. I mean, he actually, David, I would I would say 2016, his first year, like his first year get there was the yeah. first was the only time that he wasn't competing for the SEC championship, right? Um, so, I. I <laughs> Okay, to, 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 I told you that I had an impression for you. Um, I, I think Kirby has taken a play out of C. Spurrier's playbook as far as how he ran the Georgia program or Florida program, his philosophy. And, and I'll, I'll never forget, it was like in 2001 or something like that, or 2002, whenever he left Florida, and uh, he was doing an interview. And they were talking, you know, what made you so successful at Florida? And, it, you know, the old, you know, well, you know what? What? What I thought was, if we beat Georgia, if we beat Tennessee, we're gonna get the SEC championship, have a chance to win it all. You know, like I, I remember him saying that, and I kind of think Kirby has taken that kind of mentality: is that if I can beat Florida, if I can beat Tennessee, then I can, I can get, I can get to Atlanta, and I can have a chance to, to you know, to win it all. Um, I think he's done a great job when it comes to this game. Now, to your question about how big of a game this is to him, like, look, maybe, maybe I'm just too rational or maybe I'm just too compassionate. And we'll talk more about this later, but I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of a, uh, what's it called? A, um, uh, why can't I think of words right now? I, I think it's kind of a, uh, a give me game. Like as far as like, it's a it's a, a mulligan a mulligan it's a mulligan here for him thank you and you know you know i know that i've, I've direct met you know i dm'd you this this layout but you know if you think about since february he lost he lost jake Fromm, who wasn't supposed to leave early that did jamie newman came in and took over as quarterback but then when the season was there, there's no official story but the, the story that i've heard more than any other is Jamie Newman believed that the season was not going to be played, took money from a, took money from an agent, and was not going to be able to play. Okay, because he took money, used COVID as a scapegoat, got out of it. JT Daniels was brought in, had knee surgery in December, was supposed to be better, but has had two setbacks since then. Dewan Mathis coming off brain surgery was believed to be it was supposed to be you know a real deal, was supposed to be competitive, but as we know. Um, took one big hit against Arkansas and just really hasn't just seemed to be the same since. And so what you're stuck with is Stetson Bennett, who like I, I think does – I think he actually does some things right, but but people, myself included at times, are so focused on his height and, and what he's – some of the negative things he's done, we don't focus on the positives, but he's not that prolific, going to win you an SEC title, going to win you a national championship quarterback. So – even though I think Kirby is in a great position in this game, I think that he still kind of has a mulligan. And if you want to pull the freaking field situation out, like I'm not, I don't, I know you are not going to have this with me, but like I'm so sick of time talking about the field situation. Like there, there are more, more layers to that story than just, Oh, we didn't play him. So he left. Like there's so there's more to it than that. And I don't feel like getting into that again, but 
but I, I don't know if you agree with me. I don't know if you if you if you you know if you see what I'm saying there. But like that's that's how I kind of feel with with Kirby this year. That's not to say that he's not going to be ready. That's not to say that he hasn't been coaching his butt off this week. But I just kind of feel like there there is a little bit of a mulligan because of the just cornucopia of issues that have happened at the quarterback position this year. Yeah, I mean, and I know the the kind of route you're going with. A lot of people want to say it's maybe self inflicted of uh, the the quarterback situation and, and yeah. everything. And you know, why don't you have a player ready to go? You know, when, when you have everything else in place, why is it that position that, that that's causing the issue there? And yeah, I mean, he's he's had Georgia in position to play for SEC championship games, national championship games because he's beaten Florida, and that's. As you said, that that's step one. If if you're a Florida head coach, step one is beating Georgia. That's that's how you get to where you want to go. For for Georgia, we've seen it. They started beating Florida. It got them where they want to go, and and, and competing uh, for, for everything there. And yeah, the, the whole Mulligan M- Mulligan year thing. I, I don't know. I mean, would we think that way if Georgia had beaten Alabama? Would no, so, and, I, and also I will say I'm adding COVID to that whole thing. Too. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, uh, I, I, just, I was going to go there too, so go ahead. Just yeah. a, but no, keep going. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Go ahead. I mean, because that, that's probably where I was going to end it. I was like, you know, is it, you know, if, if Georgia had beaten Alabama, would the would the feeling be the same as? It, would mm-hmm. you have the same feeling going into this game right now? Yeah, and 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 also like to Florida to defend Florida. Yes, to defend Florida. Like, would their defense have as many issues as they do? If they would have had a full off season right. to 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 tackle better, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take a shot. I'm just saying, like, to 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 better your tackling, better your scheme, all this stuff. Like, would would you have been in a better position, or even better yet, would you be able to in a better position to run the ball, mm-hmm. you know, consistently if you had a full off season, a spring game, you know, stuff like that? At what you know, you know, the, the old adage is like. A freshman is no longer a freshman after their what, like eighth game. <laughs> right. Like, you know, what? Where's the line for a COVID year? Right. Is no longer relevant. You know, and well, so, Mullen, Mullen even said that this week in his press conference. It was, hey, we were still learning about this defense, and that contributed to some of the issues that we were seeing. Now, you whether you don't believe it or not, okay, that's up to you. Yeah, but yeah. that was, you know, that, and I'm saying that for the fans out there. You know, if you want to. You take that as an excuse, then so be it. But at least our coach is throwing it out there as, hey, we were still trying to figure out. There were some new pieces on this Florida defense, and yeah. and we've, we saw the issues there. So You and I talked about it during the offseason just you know, via Twitter and stuff. Like my biggest concern about Florida coming in the season was the huge losses they had on the D-line like and, and, and also at wide receiver. Um, I think the wide receiver thing has kind of been questioned to some degree. I don't know if the D-line – things have been answered fully yet but but i really just again i just think that this whole year has been so weird i mean i mean just go look at the big big 10 in two weeks <laughs> we thought minnesota you know minnesota is out their right guard their left guard their kicker their punter and their kickoff specialist so they lose they lose to michigan week one okay all right fine hey michigan's back but then all of a sudden Maryland puts up like 700 yards on them, and <laughs> and so you don't you don't know what's real. You and, know? Then, and, then, and then Michigan goes to lose to Michigan State the next exactly. week. Exactly. <laughs> and Talia Tugavaloa looked horrible in week one. Right. And week two, he looks better than his brother. So like you, you know, like you, you just kind of I think we're still even though we're five weeks into this thing, five weeks right? Yeah, five weeks. We're five weeks into this thing. I still think we're kind of in this unknown. And, and I think that needs to be okay. 
And, yeah. and I'm talking about, I'm talking to the, the fan now. Like it needs to be okay if you still have question marks. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean part of it for you know for, for the Florida part was we're coming into 2020 and looking at it as hey, this is the year to beat Georgia. This is the year all the pieces are coming together. And look, I don't want to use the 2020 I don't want to use the COVID excuse because this was supposed to be the year. This was supposed to be the year it lined up. Kyle Trask is coming back. The, the coaching staff's intact, except for Tim Brewster being the new, the only new hire in the offseason. Georgia was losing this, 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 and this. Yeah. And then COVID hits, and okay, oh, well, now it's a 10-game SEC schedule, and now we got to go take play Texas A&M, and that played out to to, to, to be a loss. So, you know, I, some, some, I, I will give a lot of Gator fans credit for that. It was like, no, this was supposed to be our year. I don't want to hear – Yeah. I don't want to hear COVID as an excuse. <laughs> this was supposed to be our year. We need to go win the game. So, it's fun to break it down. And see, at, George, at the Georgia level, I thought last year was going to be the year that you guys should have beat, should, should have won. Right. Because Jake Fromm and James Coley were anemic on offense. You know, we're just – ever since the South Carolina game, we're just abysmal offensively. Except for like, even against Florida last year, we were horrible on first and second down. Like, and right. I'm sure every I'm sure every Florida fan knows that. Like, yep. the, the only reason why they won is because of conversion on third downs. Um, and so I like I I was of the mindset like, last year was and and the O line was not what it was expected to be. Even though yes, people will say, but look how many first round picks you had. That's great and all, but they did not gel well, hardly at all. They did a poor job at pass or at a at run blocking. Um, and, and there's just, there's so many other things, but like, I, I, I will not, I will not make an excuse for Kirby as far as a COVID year. I will just say that I don't know many teams that are in the top 10 that have done dealt with more quarterback adversity than Kirby has this year. And the only thing that I think that is self-inflicted is again, the, the Justin Fields thing. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, I, cause I don't know what else he could have done. Like, you, 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 does that make sense? Like, I just, I just don't know what else he could have done. Yeah, I mean, of course, this revisionist history just to go ahead and back, back and say. Now, don't get me wrong. There were some people saying Justin Fields is ultimately going to be better. Go ahead and play him anyway. Yeah. But were you really taking a quarterback that was out that was playing so well who had basically, yeah, yeah, basically it, should it, have won a national championship game? A hundred percent. And so it, 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 it is. And, and he, and, and if you think of that 2018 season, he was dealing. He was yeah. dealing in every yeah. game except for the LSU game. And then we get to and, – and also, we had, Justin Fields was a freshman, and there's not a single person on the planet that's going to get me to believe now that Coley or Chaney was going to be able to use Fields <laughs> yeah. in a way that, that would have yeah. worked. Like, I just I just don't believe that. And and so, th- look, again, there's, I said I wasn't going to talk about the Fields thing, and I ended up talking about it. But uh, <laughs> We can move on. We can move on. <laughs> yeah. but, but, I mean, I also like, – the same question to you, though. Like – what is the realistic, but what is the, honestly the mood towards Mullen on this game this year? This is the year he's got to get it done uh, there. And uh, you look, of course, you, you know, I'm very active on Twitter and it's like, this is the, the theme this week has been, and we're, we're about to get into it just because of Georgia's defensive issues. Um, the quarterback problem that we've already discussed that, no excuses. It has to be this year. And I know you said last year you, you pointed to it. And I was on your show last year, and, and you picked Florida to beat Georgia uh, <laughs> last year. So, you know, we, we, we see how it turns out sometimes. But from the Florida side of things, it's, okay, 2018, 
definitely excusable. It's Mullen's first year. You're figuring things out. Was Georgia in control of that game? Absolutely. You still found a way to hang around a little bit. Last yeah. year, Georgia's limping into the game. They look like garbage versus uh, – they lose to South Carolina. They look like, they garbage. Look like garbage for five yeah. straight games leading right. into that four games. Yeah, but you you lose to South Carolina. You you play a hard fought game versus Kentucky. You know, Florida went to Baton Rouge and played a really really good LSU team and and, and hung with them for most of the time. So you got why people were kind of shifting towards Florida. But if you look at it in a wide scope, it was still, hey, Georgia still has a, a more complete team at the point. Yeah. So you can see why they they won. Now it's this year. It was, you know, Georgia lost all this stuff. And yeah. we have a lot more continuity at quarterback. We have a lot more continuity on the coaching staff. And that was before everything that happened at quarterback for Georgia. And now the defensive injuries that we're about to address looking at the game this week. So now yeah. it's, it, it, it ramped it up to, there is no excuse. It has to be this year. And there was a lot of talk before this year even started. If it wasn't going to be this year, when was it going to be? And now I think that's ramped up even more because of the, 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 all, all the stuff that Georgia's dealing with this week. Yeah. Um, since you put it like that, like I, like Florida fans, like I know you don't want to hear this, but like there, there is some truth to that. Like, because if you don't do it this year, the offense is going to be so great next year for Georgia. Like, like you know, uh, theoretically, a a one year healthy JT Daniels at quarterback, <laughs> while while Brock Vandergriff is getting healthy, but a junior. Pickens, a junior Dominic Blaylock, or I'm sorry, sophomore Dominic Blaylock, um, you know, Kyrus Jackson, you know, uh, Arian Smith having a full, being healthy and back as a sophomore, like they just just dudes upon dudes upon dudes. Um, and it, like I, I'm excited just as a Georgia fan, like it has nothing to do with Florida, but like just what next year could hold as far as offensively, because finally these five stars may actually be able to put it all together. But I, I would agree with you, man. Like. Because also, you and I have talked about this before, David. I think we talked about this last year on either – or we talked this about with Braden or we talked about it with, you know, last year on our pod. There's a little bit of a can he win a big game yep. kind of question for Mullen. You know, you can show me Mississippi State record. You can show me the top ten wins. You can, you can show me that. But if you're going to show me that, please show me where those top ten teams ended at the end of the season whenever they won those games. Um, but – but what 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 big game has he won at Florida? Right, like and, you know, yeah, you you go to like you said the Mississippi State game in 2018, but that team didn't, yeah, you know, wasn't what we thought they'd be. And now part of that was because Mullen wasn't the head coach, but still, um, you know, Auburn last year, but that's still you know their, their claim to fame was beating Alabama at the end of the year. Uh, yeah. You know, they still weren't you know a, a a great team. They fell apart against Minnesota in the bowl game there. People point yeah. to Michigan in, in, in 2018, but uh, you know, the detractors for that game will say whether well, they were missing a whole lot of players in, in that yeah. Peach Bowl game. So, and yeah, you're, you're right. Also, people, you know, want to negate bowl wins. You know, yeah, just, right, right, right. So, I mean, there's, and, been, there's, been some, there's been some big wins, but not what you would call the, yeah, yeah, the, big, like, the biggest wins. The games that matter the most. Yes, exactly. Like, That's because, still – Because I, mean, I said this – this If you go and look yeah. at – how that team ended the year and then what they ended up becoming. You could kind of play revisionist history a little bit, but that LSU offense wasn't the same as what, what we no, saw last year. The only year. time they looked that good was against Georgia somehow. And they, just, <laughs> they beat the freaking breaks off of them. Um, right. Only good game they had almost the whole year. Uh, I So this is it. I mean, yeah, this it, it has to look, be. Look, and this may not even be. 
I mean, Georgia will be favoring every other game after this, no matter no matter what happens against Florida. But you know, this this will be this will be the game, and oh, I, 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 I don't care what Georgia ends up being yeah. this year. It, it's it, it has to be done. Georgia could go on to lose another game. I'll be like, it doesn't matter. It, you had to go. You had to go win it. You had to go win uh, it. In theory, the season is over for one of these teams based off if you yes. win or lose. Right. Like it. It just is. And and people will say, no, you still have four or five more games. Well, yeah, but you don't get to play in the SEC championship because yeah. your your opponent because like Florida or Georgia has to lose two more games. And if you, I don't know if you've seen Georgia's schedule, but I don't see a loss on mm-hmm. on their because their schedule gets a whole lot easier um, a, after the Florida game. Praise God for that. Um, but like I, I I just this is this is the the end all be all of games for for these two teams because we we you and I talked about this and I know other people have said this. The benefit that Florida had was the Bama game, mm-hmm. and then they rescheduled. And they put Texas A&M on the schedule, and everyone knew that could be the game for Florida. Yep. And and unfortunately, it was. And so now it's all cards on the table. And who? And, and so I got to throw this out there, and I know you're probably going to bring this up, but like, do do we even care to look at Kirby's track record against Smallman? Like, like does that even matter here? Like, I because I, I don't know. I, I don't. I want to. I want to believe it does, but I but I don't know if it does. Uh, I think we have to, and we'll get into it as we move forward right here. Let's take a look at the uh, the game, and, and we'll start with the uh, Florida offense and and the Georgia defense and all the big news that comes around that side of the yep. storyline right now. Georgia leads SEC, ranked 12th nationally, allowing just 16.2 points per, 16.2 points per game. And, the, Robbie, you probably know this stat here. Uh, I saw it on Georgia's notes here that they, that they send out to the media. In the Bulldogs' four wins this year, they've allowed just a total of 40 points. Their only loss against Alabama, they gave up 41. So (laughs) there you go. All four wins combined, only 40 points scored on them. The one loss, 41 against Alabama. And then you look at Florida, second in the SEC, 10th nationally in scoring offense at 42 points per game. That is the matchup. The matchup is the Florida offense versus the Georgia defense. This is going to be where the game is won or lost for both teams here. So, Rob, you, you've got to explain to, to Gator fans here just how big of a loss is Richard LeCount. That's the storyline of the game. If you want to start singling out players here, you know, it's, it, it, it's helpful for Florida. Uh, of course it is. And three picks this year for LeCount, eight in his career, currently tied for first nationally. Last week versus Kentucky, career high, 14 tackles, a forced fumble. I mean – I almost know. had a pick six that he dropped. Oh, there we go. So, I mean, look, thoughts go out to him. A yeah, motor vehicle yeah. accident, of course, Saturday night uh, following the win as, as Georgia come back to Athens. But, look, he started 23 straight games for this Georgia defense. We know how good this defense is. He has started 23 straight games. I just wrote off some stats for you. How big of a loss is this for Georgia? Um, well, on a personal level – Richard LeCount may be like top five favorite bulldog of all time. There we go. Like, like for real. Like he just, if if you look at his history of being recruited and coming in and day one, and you can like, you can hear, you, you can hear horror stories of Kirby being hardest on him from day one. And it was because Kirby knew what he had with Richard LeCount. Um, some positive I will say is that he is home from the hospital. He was actually yeah. at the facility today. He was already starting rehab. <laughs> Apparently he, <laughs> he, he was just, 
he was t- cheering up the players and just telling them how excited he is to play again. So like, it, it doesn't seem like he's going to do the opt out thing that a lot of people thought he was going to do and, and praise God that he is not, I'm not talking about the benefit of the game, but praise God. He's not as injured as everyone thought he was going to be because he got hit by a freaking car. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but to, to answer your question, I think as far as leadership, it is huge. Um, I, I don't think you can replace a Richard LeCount. You can just hope someone can produce even close to the level that he can. I, like, you know, because of the way Kirby's recruited, of course, there's another five-star talent right there, you know, ready to play. But no one has no one has the experience that he does. Um, I was actually super worried. Like, Saturday night, I, I was sincerely worried that we were about to lose – to, to you guys by 17 or more because of all the players that were listed on, on the injury report. And then come to find out that we're, we're really only going to be without Rochester LeCount and Davis may actually be able to play. Like, I think that was a huge benefit, like a, you know, huge, I don't, I don't know what adjective to use, but it was just a huge uh, blessing to find out that we weren't going to be out all these dudes because in the Kentucky game, we had Stevenson go out. We had, uh, we had three D linemen. We had uh, a, a two two linebackers, and and so you're like, oh my god, like how in the world, how in the blue hell are we gonna do this thing? <laughs> um, and so to again, I think, I think Richard LeCount is irreplaceable as far as communicator and as far as like the heart of the team. Um, I just I just don't know. I, I'm not a defensive guy. Like I don't I don't I don't coach. So I don't know what he does on the field that other players skill like ability wise. Yeah. I'm not saying communication. I'm not talking about leadership. I'm just talking about skill wise. Uh, you know, because I know he's got like three five stars sitting behind him. You know, so like, are there dudes who can do the stuff that he does skill wise that maybe you know as fast as he is or whatever? I don't know. Um, I know this. Pitts just got a little. Pitts got really happy. You know, yeah. not that he, not that LeCount got hit by a car, but no, that yeah, he yeah. That he to play because I can guarantee you Richard LeCount probably would have been covering him most of the game. Yeah, I mean, so we go and look at this, you know, and, and you mentioned uh, other names here, your defensive lineman Jordan Davis. We'll see what we we'll see where that we'll see where that goes. Uh, Julian Rochester will be out. So, and, and, and here's the thing: you know, where Georgia is injured right there, and, and talking about those two players is where a running team could take advantage. But that, that's not Florida's offense. And no. you know, if, if Georgia still matches up well, where you know defensive ends like and outside linebackers and, and cornerbacks are still good to go against a you know a, a passing offense for for Florida. So you know while that can help pressure up the middle and trash face, you know the Bulldogs will still rely on their defensive ends or outside linebacker pass rushers to create pressure. You know Aziz Ojolari, Monty Rice, the Kobe Dean, Nolan Smith, Quay Walker, Jermaine Johnson, Trevon Walker. I mean the <laughs> list goes on more, for guys. You can just yeah, keep it, listening. Guys. Yeah, it, it, you know so <laughs> while it is beneficial that those. The, those injured guys may not play for Florida. There's still the style of offense that Florida plays. You still got great matchups from the Georgia side at cornerback, outside linebacker, and out and at defensive end. And, and, and also Georgia's D line depth is incredible as well. Freshman Jalen Carter, number eighty-eight. Y'all are going to see a lot of him. Um, Wyatt Devonte Wyatt is going to play a lot. Um, uh, oh my gosh. Why well, can't I remember his name? Another freshman that's just a big, just a big body dude who's going to be playing up front too. 
like, you know, that was something that I was talking to a buddy about today is the fact that Georgia still has the right pieces to match up against Florida, you know, and something that we didn't mention is that Georgia leads the SEC in, with 17 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. And, and I can count, I can tell you five different instances where they should have five more, but Adam Anderson and Ojalari like overrun the quarterback because they get so excited. They overrun them. <laughs> and but, as good as this defense has been, that was kind of been the one knock before this year was yeah, not getting sacked. Yep. Yeah. And, and so into Florida's credit, they have not given up a lot of sacks. Um, but what, you know, what's going to bend, what's going to break, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm going to tell you this, David, and I, I firmly believe this. If Florida can't at least get it 80 yards of rushing. Yep. Like, I don't, I don't think you're going to win this game. I don't think you really, I don't, and I'm not saying you have to run more than Georgia because of that stat that, and, you know, you and I both you know. I, I, since you brought it up, I, I'll go there because that's kind of the perfect transition between the two teams right now. Look, and, and I'll, I'll I'll point it out. In the last 14 games between Florida and Georgia, the team that's run the ball with the most yards has won the game. Yeah. Looking at the, the rankings right now, Georgia's rush defense, first in the SEC, fifth in college football. Florida's rush offense, ninth in the SEC, 73rd in college football. Georgia, the rush offense, third in the SEC, 39th in college football. Florida's rush defense, sixth in the SEC, 41st in college football. But look, for this game, that stat is a trend only. It, it, it yep. doesn't mean – look, look more, more than likely, Georgia's going to outrush Florida. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't mean Florida. Georgia's going to win. It doesn't mean yes. Florida's going to lose. Absolutely. It but doesn't – you, you know, you There you, you go. You, ha- you have to. And the best way I've explained it, Robbie, for, for and especially with those two guys out on Georgia's defensive line, Florida has to have game scenario running. If it's yes. third and two, yes. go pick up two yards. If it's if it's fourth and goal, go get fourth and goal. If it if, if it's goal line situations and you need a score or you need a first down, maybe that's where Florida can, can get you know take advantage there. You're not going to outrush Georgia, and it's it's it, that that stat right now is circumstance. That's all it's, it is. It, it doesn't it's mean do not matter to the individual the, the individual moment. You know, like it, but but to your point, and and I know I know we you know let's mention a player on Florida's side, Tony. Yep. You know. You know, to, to Darius or Kadarius? Always Kadarius. Say again. Kadarius. 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 Tony, a dude like he he is really good. However, I will say that George and, and you you're alluding to this. Georgia's speed on the outside will not let that whole end around stuff work. Like you, you're gonna have to, like Tony is going to have to be a receiver. He is going to have to be a you know get a screen or something. But he's gonna have to run a route. And be because like so many people I've heard this week talk about like how you know they just need Tony and Pitts you know just like just like Alabama had Devonte Smith and Waddle. I, I, I mean, no offense, but I don't think that Florida has three dudes on their team that can run four three forties the way Alabama does with it, just in the in the way that they run. Like no, and I brought that up. You know, for, for this Georgia defense, that's how they got beat. There was the vertical routes on the outside. Yeah. Pitts and Tony don't do that. Pitts and Tony are really good. Yes. And this is the best way I can explain it. Alabama doesn't have a Tony and a and a Pitts. Florida no. doesn't have a Devontae Smith and, and a Jalen Waddle. And, and, and it's two Florida. different styles of attack. And also Florida doesn't have a running back. Right. That, offensive line. Yep. <laughs> that, that an offensive line that creates so much balance. Because people don't realize this, but Bam or they don't talk about this, but Bama also ran for like a buck fifty 
on Georgia too. Yeah. You know, and so what, what, so that's what I'm saying. Like if Florida can get like 80 yards, 80 yards of, of rushing to yeah. keep to keep the game to, to keep Georgia honest on you know to pay attention to the run game, like I think there is something there. But also, would you agree with me if I said that I think this is the best D line that Florida has faced? Oh yes, yeah, and it's not even close. Okay, and so I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I mean, A and M has got a good defensive line. Yeah, and Florida, Florida had success against A M. Look, I know Florida lost the game. It it wasn't because of Florida's offense. No, um, Florida, Florida won that game if you play nine more times. Like right. Florida so, could have won those games. Yeah. So yeah, this is, and, and we knew coming into the season it was going to be the matchup of the season: this Florida offense versus versus this Georgia defense, and you know the eleven on eleven that 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 go along with that. But you're know, kind of going along and, and picking on that stat a little bit. What if the one of the what if the one one of the unexpected happens? If Florida does somehow outrush Georgia, they probably win the game. If Georgia outpasses Florida, they probably win the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, uh, but yeah, looking at that stat, there, there's nothing more to it to me this year. It, it's it, anecdotal. You know, like yeah, it, it, exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean like, however, and and I don't know if we were going to talk about this, but the weather, mm-hmm. it's, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's supposed to storm. Like there's supposed to be some, there's supposed to be quite a bit of rain or at yeah, least around Saturday. So we'll see how it times so, out. Like, Yep. You know, let's move that game to Athens the way it should be. <laughs> hey, if we're going to look at a stat here, look, the stat that matters, and you said, you know, maybe looking at Kirby and how he's matched up against Mullen or, or Florida the last couple of years may not matter. If we're going to look at stats so that have to get better for Florida, it's, it's not rushing the ball better than Georgia or anything like that. It's overall getting yards. 2018, only 275 yards versus the Georgia defense. Last year, only 278 yards on his Kirby Smart Georgia defense. So, you know, can, can the all, it sounds ridiculous right now because of the way Florida's moving the ball, but can Florida crack 300 yards on, on Georgia? Because they haven't done it the last two years. Now, of course, we know this offense is light years better than two years ago. It's better than last year, but a lot of the same pieces, and, and that offense was still playing good going into the Georgia game last year. So, you know, it's probably going to take Florida to get close to 400 yards of offense to feel comfortable in say you're going to win that game. Yeah, I look, man, I, I think there is there is some arrogance that some Georgia fans have because they automatically just assume that, excuse me, because Kirby has had such success, like the averages, I think you said, I don't know if you said it, but 13.6 points a game you know, when those two face off against each other. Like, I think that's all well and good, and that's a great stat to have, but it's just like rushing the ball. It does not matter in 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 the cur- in that current game that's coming. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, I would argue that, except for Dak Prescott, Trask is probably the most mm-hmm. consistent quarterback he's had. He, he's had since, T, you know, Tebow or, or Dak right. Prescott. Um but but to me, it, it's all about if, if Georgia cannot get pressure on Trask, it does not matter. It, like yeah. if Georgia cannot get pressure on Trask, then then Trask is going to have a field day and he's going to throw for 471 and <laughs> four touchdowns. <laughs> and, and it's just going to be a field day. Um, I like for for me, you're right. Like, and I said this today, like every, I know we're about to break down the Georgia offense versus Florida defense. But to me, it was this matchup. It was the Florida the offense versus Georgia's defense that's going to dictate of how this game goes, because at the end of the day, we know one thing that Georgia's definitely going to do well, and that's going to be run the ball. 
Yep. Now, how well they do it is, you know, to TBD, but we know they're going to run for their 175. You know, it may take 40 carries to get there, but they're going to do it, you know. Um, so I don't know if you want to transition over or if you wanted to add anything else to that, to the matchup between the two. No, um, we, we can shift right there. Robbie, you know, man, I grew up in uh, Blackshire, Georgia, which is where one hometown of uh, one Stetson Bennett as well. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, of course, you know, the, the, the personal connection there of, uh, of him being from, from my hometown and kind of just keeping up with his career and all that. And it's so weird seeing uh, him the starting quarterback for Georgia, you know, when he, when he recruited, when he was recruited and, and played and walked on at Georgia, transferred away, comes back, and now he's a starting quarterback. Uh, look, it's weird. And, and I've joked about this a couple of times here. 2018, Dan Mullins hired, has a recruiting class. He signs Emory Jones. Georgia signs Justin Fields. 2020, we get Kyle Trask versus Stetson Bennett. Nobody, nobody no. in their right mind would have no. ever picked that matchup no. back in 2018. So uh, no. it, it's, it's just so weird. So we talked quarterbacks a little bit uh, at the beginning uh, of this segment here. So what is it about Stetson Bennett that, that you know, it can give you some belief from the Georgia side of things that, hey, look, he's not great versus zone, but he's with all the, the, the matchup problems that, Georgia's athletes can give you if you're going to play man, they can beat you in, in, in that situation. They can they can attack a man defense, uh, but you know that's what's been it's much better uh, in that man situation, making defenses page. But we know it's all about stopping that Georgia run game. You, you alluded to it. That's the best path, best path for Georgia to win this game to help out Stetson Bennett. And I know Florida did a good job last season stopping the Georgia run game. And if Florida can replicate that, then you take your chances on, on Bennett being able to beat you. If the, if the dolls can get the third and third and shorts, convert that, and, and it helps Bennett make some easy throws, keeps the chains moving. I believe that the game plan would be to play it safe, slow the game down, keep that Florida offense on the sideline, third and manageable, convert those, rinse and repeat to keep that Florida offense on the sideline. No. Um, I, <clears throat> so I, I want to start this conversation, but I want to kind of say what, Give give the Gator fans update on JT Daniels. Oh, yeah. Um. So from from what I've been told and what I have read, because I, I do have connections at, on on campus at UGA, is that Daniels is cleared to play. Yes, but he is not he is not mobile enough, and he is not confident enough in his knee to where enough to where Munkin feels comfortable making him the starter. Mm. And he is still running scout team in third in third string because of it. And uh, Dewan Mathis is second string. Yes, it's true that he almost he almost transferred this past weekend, but after a conversation with Munkin and with Kirby, he decided to stay. Now I don't know what that means after this game. I don't know what was said. I don't know if a big bag of money was was passed across <laughs> the table. I have no idea. I just know that Dewan Mathis is still at Georgia, and he is the second-string quarterback. Um, Stetson Bennett offers a knowledge of the system. He understand. He offers a like. I think. I think there is something to the leadership that he offers. Um, and also, you know this because you know his background, but like he did spend an entire season leading his Division II team to a, to a national championship game. 
Like he is not he's not ignorant to big games. He's not ignorant to 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 games. He's just apparently ignorant to big defensive linemen holding their arms up. Um, <laughs> so so coming into to this game, like here's I, I wanted to make a case for Stetson Bennett, if you don't mind. Setson Bennett, except for except for the first half of the Arkansas game where he really didn't play, okay, to, till the end. From that, the second half of the Arkansas game to the first half of the Alabama game, so about three games worth of halves, we have seen very quality, very good play by Setson Bennett, which led to an offense that was very productive. Would you agree or disagree with that? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. However, because he was asked to throw so much against mm-hmm. Bama and he made poor decisions at times against Bama. We saw we we saw him. You know, obviously we lost to, to Alabama. And then fast forward to last week, we had seven drives. Two were touchdowns. Two were end of halves. Two one was a punt, and two were awful interceptions by Stetson Bennett, which were going which were you know it, it seemed like we just owned them. And you know both drives it just seemed like they couldn't stop us until Stetson Bennett gave them the ball literally in within the ten yard line. So I actually don't believe that the last three quarters is exactly who Stetson Bennett is. I would like to believe that he is also the guy who can give you three straight games of quality play of an offense that is actually way more dynamic and better than, than anything we saw last year. Now, I'm not saying that Stetson Bennett is better than Jake Fromm. What I'm saying is I think Todd Munkin is far superior to – to Jim Chaney and James Coley as the offensive coordinator for the talent that Georgia has. But it comes down to, can Stetson Bennett be consistent and make good decisions consistently? So there's, yeah. my, there's my defense for Stetson Bennett. Yeah, and something that might help him out a little bit in the first half, Zachary Carter for Florida defensive lineman will be uh, suspended from the uh, the first half for the uh, the fight in the Missouri game. You know, so that does beg the question of how Florida is going to rotate some guys. Kyrie Campbell came back last week, really helped out Florida defensive line, play some guys in their Good. more natural positions. Britton Cox played his best game because, hey, look, we asked him to play rush in. That's what he needs to play. <laughs> he wasn't played out of position, so he, he played his best game. We know his hair will be on fire going against his former team uh, on Saturday, but you might see some young players like Gervin Dexter, Chatfield, Prince of Newman, Milan having to fill in for Zachary Carter. But as you said, Robbie, and you kind of pointed it up, the the kryptonite so far for Stetson Bennett is pressure up the middle, right in his face, and defensive linemen getting their hands up in the air. And you know that's he's he's a, he's he's a short quarterback. There's no other way to explain it. I mean, he's just a short quarterback, so that's going to be an issue. He's five ten with high cleats on. Like, I mean. <laughs> And when he when you when you're that short and you have a, a short release, yeah, like it's it's. It, and look, man, I can. Has I the can, offense changed in the last couple games at all? I, I, you you tell me because the first half against Bama we looked unstoppable, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. The first half against Bama we looked unstoppable, and then the second half it it it, it didn't feel any different than the first half. It just felt like Stetson Bennett made bad decisions, right? So and, I, I guess that's where I'm going. Since there was the bad second half, does they like cut half the field off from him? Do they start rolling him out more? Does yeah? You know, it's uh, the running game wasn't the issue against Bama. Like yeah, like we had three running backs on 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 pace to get over 100 yards, but then in the you know towards the end of the third quarter, after the third interception, he had to you know we stopped running the ball. 
Um, and then against Kentucky, like Zeus went off, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like against Bama or against Kentucky specifically, if those two drives that end in interceptions, if they end up in points, period, we win by 21 to 24 points. We win that game handily. And no one's asking a question of, well, is Georgia really going to be okay for this Florida game? You know what I'm saying? And so, like, to be honest, and Setson Bennett said it perfectly after the game. He said, the offense played really well. I just didn't. And yeah. and I, I think that I think there's I think that is the undeniable truth. And look, Florida fans are gonna are gonna you know push back and say, well, if you don't have a good quarterback, you can't have a good offense. And I would agree with that. However, well, you can always point to last year's game. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And but like I, I've been watching Georgia games for my you know my entire college football loving life since I was like five years old. I. I'm confident that this play caller and Todd Munkin and this quarterback coach and Buster Faulkner is way better than what we've had prior to in Kirby's tenure. But the maximized version of this offense will not be seen until we have Mm -hmm. a more talented quarterback. And, you know, that's not Stetson Bennett that, but however, that does not mean that Stetson Bennett can't win this game because Stetson Bennett showed the whole country for at least a half that he could put up points against the best team in the country. And I, I don't know what, I don't know what, else, what more defense I can give him because I can shoot. I, I can definitely take him to task for poor decisions that he's made over the last two games too. Yeah. One, one aspect, Robbie, uh, besides Bennett, uh, that can help him and, and this Georgia, this Georgia uh, offense here, man, the, the, the electric Georgia running backs here. I mean, Zamir White, a lot of what we traditionally have seen at, at Georgia at, at running back, he'll be the main focus uh, for, for, for stopping this Georgia offense uh, coming up Saturday. But look, my worry is one of those more electric guys out of the backfield matched up against a Florida linebacker, you know, James Cook coming out of the backfield. We saw, I remember the catch and run. Yeah. The catch and run versus Alabama. He did it against, did it again against Kentucky, by the way. Yeah. And and it was was a shoelace tackle that saved another touchdown for like 60 yards. Yeah. those type of plays, him. I mean, look, Florida got gashed by his brother plenty of times. I don't need another cook to go off on Florida either. I, I, I don't need that to happen Saturday. Uh, but, you know, it's – it's. I, I know what Zemir White is. I know what I'm getting in Zemir White. It's it's the other guys, McIntosh and the Milton. Man. I mean, I, what, what's going to happen with those guys? Yeah. I And also, to throw this out there, George Pickens will play. He's been practicing this week. Uh, and, like – from what I understand, McIntosh will probably not play, which, which, you know, some people may think, well, he's got another, you know, they've got another dude somewhere. The thing is Kenny McIntosh prior to, uh, prior to the Alabama game, when he got hurt in the second quarter was third in the nation in kickoff returns was, um, and so like, I, I've been praying that he gets better quick because, Georgia's special teams has been like as far as returns have been okay since Kirby's been there, but this was the first year where they looked dynamic. And thank you, Scott Cochran, for coming over from Bama and being our special teams coach. Um, mm-hmm. But you're 100 right. And also, I, so no one, if you don't follow Georgia football, you're not going to know this. But against the Kentucky, Kentucky, Rosamy, a mm-hmm. freshman wide receiver, played literally every snap of offense against Kentucky. For seventy three percent of the of the snap of the plays against Kentucky, there were at least two wide two freshman wide receivers on the field. Last year, 
having having freshman wide receivers really hurt this this offense. This year, I believe it's become a benefit because they are talented. Kirby, last year's class of wide receivers, regardless of what people think about them right now, I think last year's class will be some of the best receivers that Georgia's had in a very long time as a class, as a group. Oh, I mean, Florida um, fan, if you follow recruiting, you know, you know that group of Georgia wide receivers there. Oh, yes, yes, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, thank you. Thank you, James Coley, for helping us get there, guys. Um, but, but we're probably not going to get another wide receiver out of that state again So anytime soon, so don't worry about it. Um, but, like, just the mixture of Pickens being back, um, Kyrus Jackson. Uh, probably, probably been Bennett's favorite target so far. Yes, and, and Rosamy and Burton, you know, and, and also let's not forget the 6'8", Mongoid Darnell Washington and you know the six seven Mongoid and Trey McKitty. You know, like it's so frustrating. Frustrating. It's so frustrating that if we just had a healthy no, I'm sorry, not even a healthy JT Daniels. If we had Jamie Newman, I don't I I I seriously think they're talking about us in the same way they talk about Ohio State. I just I really do. I, I I really do believe that. Um Look, that and you could say, of course you do. You're a Georgia fan. You always think every year is your year. But I just, there's just something to. We had you on in the preseason, so everybody can go back and listen, listen to yeah, that episode. Okay. So. <laughs> I wish I could go back and just say, sing to, to sing to that version of Robbie. Thank you, <laughs> my old friend. Like because that's the way it feels right now. But but at the same time, like David, I I, I this is this, this is to where I'm going to critique uh, Florida. This is also going to be the best O line Florida has seen. Mm-hmm. I think I think Georgia's O line has gotten increasingly better every single game this year. If you look at the stats, that shows that the PFF grades show that Georgia has been through it has been through the ringer when it comes to defensive linemen. From you know Arkansas, we won't count them because they they're okay, but they don't have elite D linemen. But from Auburn, Tennessee, Bama, and then Kentucky, who has two. Projected second or third, second or third round uh, D lineman on their team on their defense. Georgia has been through the ringer when it comes to elite defensive linemen. I don't know if Florida has that. Now, please correct me if you, if you disagree with that. Like, I, I would love to be wrong there, but like, well, no, I mean, I can't feel confident. I mean, like I said, Florida's just just now coming off their best performance of the season or, yeah. uh, on defense, the front versus Missouri. So you know that's and, and no, give me the, the rush defense hasn't been terrible. It's been the back end problem, but no, it's it, it, and I've seen it plenty of times on message boards and, and Twitter too. Gator fans know that this is by far the best offensive front running game. All that, all that combination there, the offensive line and the running back. It's, it's it's the best one Florida's by far faced this year. And look, Texas A and M run in the second half of that game ran all over Florida, so you you, you can't have that happen there. So. Like, I don't know if you can say this. I don't know if you know an answer to this, but like, because Mullen is so weird about this stuff. But like, are y'all going to be out, guys, too, this weekend? It would, they would have to be bleed overs from last week. If so, there's no, there would be nobody new. So I would think, you know, besides Zachary Carter, who got suspended for the the, the fight, I, I expect Florida to be pretty close to full strength there. Are y'all going to have your kicker? I would think so. But like you said, it's been pretty quiet on, on, on that front this week. But I, I, I would imagine, but it, it is a it is a guess on my part right now because uh, I, I will admit 
I've been out of it the last couple of days with all this election stuff from a for, for, for job. So I'm just now catching up today. So <laughs> that's not like some lingering, like, oh my gosh, if they oh, don't yeah, have yeah, this, yeah. this guy, then you know, Georgia has the equation to win. I just, I, it's just been weird. You know, like, you know, I didn't expect y'all to have many missing pieces against Mizzou. And then I saw y'all's list and it was like 10 dudes yeah. that, were, that were out. And you have no idea why. You have no idea if it was COVID. You have no idea if it's injury. You have no idea if a guy rolled his ankle. You know, yeah. you, you have just no clue. Um, and so I was just curious. I I think at the end of the day, Florida is going to go single high safety and say Stetson Bennett, throw over our tall D lineman and beat us. And honestly, I, I don't know if there's a better thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, like I don't I, – I will say this, and I told a buddy this today – I don't think Grantham is going to be blitzing like crazy on third down again. I don't either. And it, 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 until Bennett shows better, better play against zone, and Todd, Todd Grantham would rather play in zone. He would rather run zone. He manned up more last week, and, and it helped. Will he revert back and and play more and, and make Bennett fit into some windows, or will he man up and? You take your chances there because Georgia has some athletes, and that's that, that's the danger of playing man to man with elite talent is you can get beat. Yeah, I mean, and that you know, you know my feelings about Todd Grantham. I yep. <laughs> I do not have positive things to say about that man. Um, Most Gator fans the, don't either, Robbie. <laughs> I, I, there's a part of me, there's a small part of me that wants the mailman to just deliver all over the place. And so Grantham gets fired and I never have to see him again in the SEC. Uh, but who knows, you know, Ole Miss may go hire him next year. Um, <laughs> but like, I just can't stand that man. Uh, like just what, whatever. I can't believe Rick ever hired him. Um, it, it does come down to Florida. Florida does not have to shut down the running game. Right. They just need to slow it down to make Georgia get to down and distance, like long downs and distances. If I, 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 here's a, you know, like I just said earlier, if Georgia can't get pressure on Trask, they're going to lose on the offensive side of the ball. If Georgia is constantly in third and seven or longer all game, they're going to lose. And I just, I just, I I don't, I don't see how you put yourself, you put sets of bit in that, in those situations and you come out victory. Um, I think special teams wise, I think we're actually pretty even. Yeah. I think Camarda is probably going to be a Ray Guy finalist, finalist right now. I think he's like second in the country in punt average, which is great. Um, but I think McPherson and Podolski, or that's not his name, but uh, uh, Pod, they call him Hot Pod or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think they're equal, you know, as far as like really good kickers, consistent kickers that you can rely on. Um, so I really do think it's just going to come down to can can Florida slow down Georgia's running game. And can Georgia get pressure on Trask? Robbie, key for me, man. And we'll, 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 wise, we're kind of wrapping up here for Florida. Get off to a fast start. I mean, the last couple of years, Georgia's been putting the pressure on Florida. And in 2018 and 2019, Georgia goes up ten nothing before Florida, before Florida even gets a score uh, and makes a game out of it. At one point last year, it was sixteen to three in the third quarter before Florida, you know, came back and made a game of it. So, you know, for Florida, you know, put some pressure on Georgia early and try to knock them out of their game plan. And the Bulldogs have been able to stay in their run focused approach the, the entire game the last couple of years. So, 
Make Stetson Bennett fight from behind early on in the game. Get some early momentum if you're Florida. Florida's going to go pass heavy anyway, so Florida's game plan really won't change all that much if if they're up or or, or behind. But put some doubt in in Georgia's mind for a change early in the game, and 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 don't don't make them feel comfortable as they have. Georgia's felt in control the last two years. Yes, the games have been kind of close, but for the most part, Georgia felt like they had control of the game. So the the um, two years ago, what was it? Felipe Franks hit Freddie Swain right after the third quarter. It was 14-13 Florida in the third quarter, but Georgia responded right away and then just didn't look back. Even the Florida Florida was up in the third quarter two years ago, but you still didn't really feel like Florida had control of the game uh, at, at that point. So really, 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 I think it's just important for – and I'm not saying it has to happen for Florida to win the game, but it would be nice to see for a change how far that can go for a Florida victory if they put the pressure on Georgia early. No, I, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. It. This like there are so many scenarios in my head about how this game could go, and one of them that could easily happen, and I think you know this too. If Georgia punches in the mouth and they can't punch back, and Georgia and Zeus goes off and Kenny and, and Milton you know, gets his, get, gets his 60 and seven yards after contact. And, you know, uh, 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 James Cook, you know, is used on wheel routes and, and uses matchups really well. Like there is a world in which like this game is ugly, you know, mm-hmm. for, for Florida. Um, at the same time, there is a world in which the single high safety call makes sets and Bennett throw two or three interceptions again. Maybe one of them goes for pick six. I, I don't think, I don't think Georgia's defense is going to have a, a bad game to where we get blown out again. Yeah. I think what I think what's going to have to happen is Florida is going to have to take take what Georgia gives them and get points every time they get the ball, whether it's a field goal or whether it's a touchdown. And I think you know I think Georgia has to like you said keep the pressure on Florida's defensive line all game long. Just it, Use use this incredibly talented offensive line that you have built. Use this you know offensive scheme that you have and blow them off the ball. You know I'm not saying push them around like middle schoolers because you know they're not middle schoolers. But you you know what I'm saying? Just like you got to you got to put pressure on Florida's defense all game long. Make Todd Grantham do what he doesn't want to do. And um, I, I just this is one of those years, man, where I think you know it's. You know, last year, I, I I was worried that that Florida team had the time they were like what eight and one going into that game, uh, into- seven and one maybe. Seven and one, like yeah. You know, I was worried that there was a little bit of like, you know, this may not be real kind of thing. Yeah. This year, like, I don't think that at all. I think this is a legit Florida team. Their offense is prolific. It's it it's not it it may not be Alabama prolific, but I don't think it has to be. Which what, yeah. what teams are Alabama prolific yeah. this year? And also, is Alabama prolific without Waddle now? You know, like yeah. I kind of have to ask that question. Um, but it, the big concern is is Florida's defense, and and also they. I know we didn't. I know we don't have time to talk about this, but are y'all still going to have time? Are y'all still going to have trouble tackling? Yeah. I mean, it was much better last week, but I just said, you know, what it's what what rears its head uh, from from the Florida defense before? Maybe nothing, maybe something, 
maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. But yeah, that's a different different animal. We we saw the Florida defense definitely improve last week. Different animal with the Bulldogs uh, in, in Jacksonville, of course. So, Robbie, man, any uh, any final thoughts here before I let you go, man? Are we gonna make picks tonight? You wanna make picks? You tell me. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. All I right. got a. Uh, I got. I got thirty twenty four Florida. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, just. I, I do think the Florida offense ends up being a little too much in the end. But I mean, here, here's the thing, Robbie. I've talked myself into picking Florida the last two years, and, and, and here I am doing it again. And uh, it's just. Uh, hopefully, 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 I didn't talk myself into it again. You know, I. <laughs> There's just something. There's just something that Kirby does differently this week than he does any other week. I don't know what it is. I don't know no. if they're jacked up on HGH. I don't know if they <laughs> in the locker room. I don't know what it is, but there's just something different about the way he coaches during this week. And this team is always ready. And I think after last week, hearing all you know, two weeks ago losing to Bama, and then having for two weeks to hear all that crap, and then just not having a great game against Kentucky as a whole. I just think they're going to come out of this game ready. And I just I want to believe that Setson Bennett is the guy who gave me three three good games worth of play then instead of the last three halves not looking great. And so I, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Georgia to win. I I to, to me though, if Georgia wins this game, it's like 30 17. I, th- I think it I think it the only way Georgia wins this game is to keep Dan Mullen under 20 mm-hmm. points the way that Kirby has done in the past. Yeah. However, I will say this. I want to make this very clear to Gator Nation out there. I am not confident in this pick. <laughs> I, I, I could easily see us lose because Stetson Bennett just isn't good enough. Um, but I've got to, I've got to trust my coach. You there know, you go. that's about that's what I was going to get. Yeah, I got to trust Kirby. Kirby was brought in to win this game, and as I said at the beginning, you know, he's got a little spur. Well, got to win this game. Got to win Jacksonville to get to Atlanta. You know, like, and so uh, I, I will say this: I, I actually am someone who respects Dan Mullen very much, and regardless of win or lose, I still respect Dan Mullen after this game. You know, um, so yeah, this is this has been fun, man. This has actually been the most in depth I've heard of this uh, this game so far this week. So, thank you for letting me be a, be a part of this. Absolutely, absolutely, can't wait, can't wait. Yeah, I just kind of go into. I, I, I do think Pitts will probably end up being too much in the end with the account injury out there. I just think, you know, that's we, very we, we, we we've seen him kind of go quiet in second half of games this year. I think Mullen Mullen scheming him up this week. If it's a close game, I right, I know the fourth quarter I got to go get my guy the ball. I got to get my guy the ball. The, the, one of the best players on the field when, when when Florida's on offense, especially for Florida's offense, of course. But you know, taking everything into account, I think uh, scheming something scheming something up to get your best player to ball late. If you if you if you told me to list three three unstoppable players in college football that are healthy right now, it it goes Devontae Smith, Rondell Moore, and Kyle Pitts. Yeah, like and like. You know, and Rondell Moore, we don't even know if he's healthy or not. So it would be yeah. Kyle Pitts, and it would be Devontae Smith. <laughs> um, I I completely agree with you. I just also I want to make I want to say this. I think George Pickens is about to have a game because mm. he's not had one yet. He yeah. has, he he has only got thirteen catches. He has been injured for a game and a half, but he's only got thirteen catches on the year. And I 
eventually the five star has to show up because he does, and he's he's an elite player. He is not some scrub who's going to be a bust. Like he is a dude, but he has been bracket covered so much, um, and he's been out for you know essentially a two two and a half uh, or a game and a half. Uh, man, like can I just ask this? So like, and, then, and I know I want to go, but if who gets more affected by a loss, coach wise? Because I would think it'd be Mullen, right? Uh, maybe. I mean, a lot of stuff that's you know went on off the field in the weird last couple of weeks, and plus, as I said, going into the season, this was everybody. Everybody was pointing to it. Everybody was pointing to this Georgia game as it, it has to happen this year uh, for it to happen. Yeah, so I, I, I think so. I mean, if Kirby loses it, I mean, I think uh, I. Kind of going back to your point maybe earlier, I think maybe people do give him the excuse where he doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, I've seen that actually floating around out there. You know, David Pollock will say, well, he, he doesn't have Justin – he doesn't have a Justin Fields. Well, I mean, well, he did. Well, who but, but, yeah, but but who but who does? So, I, I don't know. That, that that one is a tough question. You know, of course, I can look at it more from the Florida side and, and what Florida fans think and they'll say, well, you know, no, you, it's, un, it's inexcusable to go in three versus Georgia in your, in your first three, no, mat, no matter the situation. you got to find a way to get a win there somewhere. And this is the year that, you, that you're looking to do it. And you can't – in the eyes of many Florida fans, this is your best opportunity. Go make the most of it. And fun stat, and then I promise I'll shut up. And I told you this off the air before we started. It took Mark Rick eleven years to get three wins against Florida. Kirby Kirby has done it in four, and it took it took Mark Rick twelve years to get his fourth win. And Kirby has an opportunity to get his fourth this year. And so, like you know, I I, I don't know. Like the the funny thing is, like David, neither one of us are definitive in in our teams this year. You know. <laughs> Neither one of us are definitive on anything. You know, I'm sure we could find fans that would be definitive one way or the other. But, yeah. like, I just, I'm just not confident. The only thing I'm confident in is that our front seven is going to be awesome. Like that's yeah. that's all I freaking know. Shorter – like, you, you need shorter to show up too, right? I mean, it can't just be Pitts and – Oh yeah, so somebody else is gonna have to show up. Exactly, uh, it can't be just be Pitts. It can't be Copeland. I mean, uh, it can't just be Pitts. Can't be just Tony. Those guys can lead you like they have all year, but you're gonna need a, a big catch from somebody uh, along the way. So whether that be the Trevon Grimes or Justin Shorter, Jacob Copeland, uh, young Xavier Henderson, or you know somebody like that, Trent Whittemore, who played very well versus South Carolina a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean. Kadarius Tony and Pitts can carry you, but you're gonna have to get a big play, a big third down, uh, a short yard of touchdown from somebody else. Well, I'll shut up. I, I could keep talking about this for another hour. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just appreciate again. I just appreciate you letting me come on and be part of your show. I- yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on. That's uh, Robbie Stelton Pole. You can find him with his podcast out there with our good friend Spencer Van Horn. Let everybody know that know out there, Robbie, how they can find out. Um, it's called a rich, a rich tradition, and you can find it on any platform that you listen to podcasts. Uh, we we are more more national as far as our college football podcast. Uh, you know, of course, we do probably spend a little bit more time on Georgia than normal, but we just love talking about the, the all the storylines and all the recruiting and stuff like that. Um, and you can find me on at Spider Dude sixty four because I was in middle school whenever I created my Twitter account, apparently. Um, <laughs> and uh, Spencer, you can find him at. Um, uh, SVH or SV Horn at, yeah. at, at, at SV Horn um, on Twitter. Um, and, and just so this is said, 
I listen to this episode. I listen to the show every week because of you and because of Will and because of the great work y'all do. So oh, thanks, man. Make that clear. I, I I love you guys and I appreciate y'all always being respectful to me and my Georgia fandom. <laughs> we, we, we know how it is, man. We know how it is. It, it, uh, there's nothing better than college football fandom. So uh, we, 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 we know exactly uh, how it is. So, all right, for Robbie and earlier in the episode, Chris Doring, Gator Great Wide Receiver, SEC Network Analyst, of course. Thanks to those two guys for hopping on this Florida Georgia preview here on Gators Breakdown. I am the host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.